Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed, joined by my lovely wife, Miss Southern Shell. It's another week in the book, Shell. It's Friday. What's popping? Friday. Um... Pulled pork on a Weber grill. Pulled pork on a Weber grill. Man, that was a, that takes me back to like cooking a butt a long time ago before I knew what a vortex was or snake method. Before you had a smoker. Before I had a smoker. I always had a Weber kettle. That was probably, if I had to, I mean, I remember my parents having this old, um, it wasn't a a WSM, but it was like a cheap version of a WSM and then they had a Weber (laughs) kettle. That was the two grills that I grew up with. Was it like it was a, an old school kettle? I wish I still it, had it. It was going. Did they have that shape like a WSM? Yeah, the the smoker did, yeah. and they bought it because my dad wanted to smoke a turkey. I think one Thanksgiving, and I wish I could remember the brand name. It's probably like Charbroil or something. Yeah. yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> it, it was like you were supposed to smoke the turkey for twenty four hours, and it had this water pan that you had. You know, it was the old school one. Yeah. I had two pans. One was like an ash pan. There was a water pan above it. But the, if I remember right, the ash pan didn't have a grate. You were supposed to put charcoal in there. and had a little trap door for you to add more charcoal and wood. And then you're supposed to smoke this turkey for 24 I hours. I remember those. I remember the little trap door. And, but it was real small. Yeah, it was a real small one. Yeah. The, um, in fact, when we were cooking um, Lakeland Fun Fest years ago, and uh, Jim Haney was cooking with us. He had brought one of those because he did wings on it. It was like one of those old school ones before, yeah. you know, the WSM. Weber may have had the WSM back then, but I don't remember. Uh, nobody, we, we didn't have one. We had whatever Walmart had. Yeah, I guess. yeah. It's, it's probably where my, or Kmart, it's probably where my dad got it. <laughs> and it must have been like a charbroil or whatever. You know, I don't know. I'll have to ask him. He probably don't remember. I don't think it lasted very long. It yeah. rusted to pieces. It was a thin gauge metal. But the Weber kettle hung in there. That was what we that was what we cooked the family steaks on. Uh, you know, if they did ribs, they would. Uh, my mom always. I, I grew up. They didn't know how to cook ribs. They they did the old parboiling, which is oh, yeah. barbecue sin. And then we, yeah, that, we only had them on like Fourth of July or something like yeah. that. And they'd have a big grill laid out, and they would come. They, I remember bull. They stunk so bad. Boiling ribs does not smell good. They stink the whole house up. <laughs> and then they'd take them outside, and my mom would whip up. You know. Whatever sauces was on sale, that she would doctor them up and yeah. add stuff to them, and that's probably how I got to making up sauces and stuff. I I'd watch it was my mom good. mix up stuff. The sauce was pretty good, yeah. but then they'd grill those boiled ribs off and then start basting them mm-hmm. at the end on this big, huge, you know, charcoal style. I don't even know if it had a lid on it. It was just kind of a, a I guess you'd call it a vent grill or something like that, or a homemade version of one. I that was know. how I remember ribs growing up, and it wasn't until I got into competition barbecue that I learned. What and how to cook real ribs. Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> Gridleys, I thought I had good ribs back in the day. <laughs> riblets. My, yeah. Um, Applebee's riblets. So you have every fancy smancy grill there is. I don't have all of them. I've got a bunch of them. <laughs> I'm always open for more, Shell. You, you know have this. options. I do. I do have options. I have options every time I go to cook what I want to cook on. Why cook a pork butt on a Weber? Because I got a new Weber for my birthday. Okay. And I was just uh, wanting to show folks how to do it. I didn't, you know, there's a lot of people that don't know that you can cook a great whole pork butt on a long cook without having to add any more coals or anything on a Weber kettle. Without it being difficult. Yeah. Without it being difficult at all. I didn't have to add any more coal. And, you know, I didn't have to do anything, really. I just kind of watched it. The The temperature's locked in. It's simple to do. And that was what that video was all about. It wasn't about a recipe. Like, you could do... Any of my pork butt recipes that I that I have out there, or anybody else has out there, you can do it on a Weber kettle. That was really what I was wanting to show yeah. that it, that it can be it's done than on a simple thing. grill like a Weber kettle. And I, you know, Weber's been around forever, and they probably more people have those in their backyards than any other grill. I would imagine. Yeah, that's safe so safe so. bet. But um, yeah, and it I mean, turned out great. I mean, so the whole thing with cooking a butt or any other, you know, larger cut of meat that's going to take a lot of time is managing that fire. And so that was the whole thing with this, the technique in the Weber kettle. But I never saw you have to, I mean, you checked on it and made sure everything was running right, but you never added more coal. You never added more wood. You never really. No, I staged it off in the beginning and got a good burn. Yeah. So 
let's talk about. Let me just tell you how I set it up. Yeah. I mean, you yes. you were there, but everybody else wasn't. Yeah. Unless they saw the video. <laughs> but so the Weber kettle, um, you, there's two ways to set up kind of a two zone fire in it. And with what I was going for this way was where the there I snaked the coals. I call it a charcoal snake, and that's I didn't make that up. I've seen that used all kinds of places. But all it means is you get a line of coal and you kind of form it around your fire or your uh, whatever your firebox is. In my case, it was the sides of the Weber kettle into like a you know single line all the way around. But you don't go completely around because you want to have a void at the end, or all the coals will catch up and it'll. It'll run from together. It won't run yeah. from end to you know front, end to I guess tail to head. <laughs> <laughs> but so what I did was I took about half a bag of Royal Oak briquettes and just kind of lined them around the outer edge of that kettle. And I wanted them pushed back kind of in a pile. I didn't get into all arranging them, placing each one perfect and all that. I just want a good bed of coals around the edge. I saw somebody say, um, make a comment on the video like I've only seen people like delicately place their coals. Just I'm not so. that OCD. I'm not OCD at all. In fact, it's, <laughs> you I, I like it the randomness there. of yeah, things. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of poured it in there and just kind of made sure it was all up against the side. Yeah. The only thing I did, so. Made a hill. To, to make this two zone fire work in a, in a Weber this way, you have to have that void in the direct center of the grill. And so I, you know, I've been using a charcoal vortex. It's one of my favorite accessories yeah. for a Weber. I used it, but I turned it upside down, and that kind of creates this void yeah. around the center, and that's a perfect place to set the port butt. But you could have used anything. But you could have used a pan. You could use a, a, an aluminum, a small aluminum half pan would work great. Yeah. that's Anything you that you could set there to kind of keep the coals out of the center. Now, I did take the time to push those coals back away from the vortex because I didn't want them too close to the butt. And you didn't want them heating up the vortex. Yeah, and I didn't want them heating up. The, I mean, it's yeah, any more so than it was going to yeah, get. Yeah. I mean, there's it, a pretty good fire going, but it's controlled. And you can kind of see in the video how the flames, when I, when I open the grill up, it gets more air and they start going. But it's not like a wildfire all the way around in a ring. Yeah. It's controlled burn all the way around slow. And you get that by just starting um, a few of the coals on the very end. And I used a couple tumbleweeds to get those going. Now, also for smoke flavor, I scattered out wood chunks in that snake, and I knew I was only going to need about four hours of smoke, so I didn't go all the way around with wood. You could use whatever wood you want. I think I used pecan and cherry for this video. I like that on pork butts. But I scattered those out. I started those few coals with the tumbleweed on the end, and as soon as the first probably, I don't know, three or four coals, five maybe coals, got good and glowing, you know, glowing red, hot, ashed over, I went ahead and shut the top vent yeah. and then just let it start slowly coming up. And as How long it, did that take to um, get those first few coals? 15 minutes tops. Yeah, 15 minutes while the – I mean, I seasoned the butt. I'll talk about how I prepped it. Yeah. But I had it setting, seasoned while I lit the coals. Let the coals come up, shut the vent, and then left the bottom vent and the top exhaust wide open at first. So all the holes are open. And that's letting the air draw through there. What's well, letting them catch a little bit so it'll start climbing up. And I, I trusted the dial on the Weber. I was just mm-hmm. – First time cooking a butt on that particular Weber, I didn't have another you know great probe or anything like that in there. I just trusted the dial. When it got close to two hundred, a little bit over like two twenty five, right in there, I checked the vents back on top and bottom. It's about fifty percent open on both top on both and bottom. top and bottom. 50%. That restricted the airflow coming in, and it you know it held some of the air, yeah. the heat in there going out, but it don't let your fire get away from you. Yeah, that's what kept it right around two fifty. Now it would creep up a little bit as the wood caught. I noticed that. You would You'd see it go to spikes. like 275 maybe, but it never got over 275 really. I didn't never see 300 unless I held the lid open too yeah. long. Sometimes when we were taking some pictures, it would creep on up and get a little hot, but I'd check it back down. I didn't adjust the vent. I just let it stabilize. Because so over, let's say um, you put it on 50 and 50, 50 top, 50 bottom, and you're having problems let, getting it up to the 250, would you just I would let bottom? I, I would adjust both of them a little bit at the same time and okay. see how it goes and then just watch slightly. it. If it's swinging. Now, that's the thing about cooking on a Weber. It's not uh, exact science because it's going to depend on the outside temperature, on how much wind you have, or the draft going through it. Mm-hmm. You've got to really learn to work those vents, but don't get – I mean, it's not going to run away from you. If it was cooking 300, 325, I wouldn't care. Just let it It's go. just, you just know your time's going to be a little different. You might need to spritz a little more often or something like that. But you can control it pretty good with the, with the vents. And it uh, with the snake method, void in the center, it controls really well. I, I mean, it's, it's simple. It really is. Yeah. I was impressed by how it was set and forget. That yeah. Quick went. yeah. It was set and forget. Yeah. So or maybe it's just the user. 
So, yeah, well, no. I mean, I, I did not do anything crazy. I dumped the coals in, moved them around from the vortex, put me some wood in there, lit them, let them go, check the lid back, check the vents back. Uh, that's the whole setup. That's the technique. Yeah. Now that now comes the butt part. So I started with well, just Well, let a, me ask you. I got some questions about okay. the setup. Um, if you do use a pan, yeah. could you add liquid to it? Yes. Or is there any Yes, point? you could. Now, now, and I actually thought of that. I was like, man, you know, that's a good opportunity to put, you know, some apple juice in there, some vinegar, some beer. Yeah. If you just wanted another heat sink, that's what it would be. You're not going to get really any flavor from it. But, um, I don't, you know. Do you get moisture from it at I all? I hadn't. No, it's. Not really. I mean, it might yeah. make a little in there, but it's mainly just to regulate temperatures underneath it. But the butt didn't burn up on bottom at all. Mm. There was no heat. I mean, it was it was from top to bottom. It looked great. Yeah, I was I was really impressed with how even it cooked. That was I didn't rotate it. I didn't do anything. I just let it roll. It did. It cooked very very even because um, it really was. That was a test for that grill, Tommy, and it passed with flying colors. It did fantastic. Some people asked about why did you go counterclockwise instead of clockwise, and I have thought about this every. Well, I'm in the you know this hemisphere, whichever <laughs> one this is, and that's the way things go. If I was in the other hemisphere, whichever that is, I'd, I'd do the other way. <laughs> I don't. <care. laughs> it's like the toilet flush thing. You know how it goes down one way, one side, one hemisphere. I have thought about. There's it. no reason. And I've thought about it. I'm like, does it matter? I would not think so. And the only way I could find out, I guess, is if I snake them around the other way. <laughs> Give it. But a go. I would bet. A thousand dollars that it doesn't make a bit of difference which way you run that snake or which end you like first. As I, long as you got them spread around, it's gonna roll. <laughs> but, and okay, so this is a really. I saw good, that comment. Yeah. I was like, hmm, that's a head scratcher. <laughs> why would you I think? Why I, would you think it matters which way you run them around? And I've just this whole week, I've just been like stopping and being like, huh. <laughs> Does it matter? And I'm trying to think about like airflow and maybe, the, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference. I would. Um, so here's a good question. Um, people were talking about, I guess there's this myth or I don't know if it's a myth, but about when car- charcoal catches at first, it gives, gives off bad fumes, uh, bad chemicals, things like that. I don't, I don't get that from anything that I cook and I've been cooking. Maybe that's bad charcoal. I've been cooking with the, let's call it a minion method for as long as I've learned to cook mm-hmm. barbecue. And all that means is I, I set my firebox up with enough coal in there to get me a long burn on low and slow cooks. Yep. I always start a fire in one side and let it burn over by controlling the air yep. across it. And that's all we're doing with the snake method. We're just getting enough airflow in there for that thing to slowly burn around. And it's hot enough to where you're not, it, it's not giving off anything bad. It's not like it has, you know, yeah, it's yeah. not like a, cooking right on a chimney when you first start it and it's first burning off but really what you're smelling there is probably the fire starter you're using it's, i don't i don't get anything from it yeah i mean maybe there's a scientific test to prove it but i would say this method works as you know as good as any the yeah. way, the way the so way i guess set that's, it up. that's the thing when i see what people are talking about but if you're using like match light charcoal or something with a chemical or something in it you wouldn't want to do that yeah but if it's just charcoal, it's just charcoal. Yeah, you know, that's what I, I mean, think. Yeah, um, there's no chemical in it. it doesn't have a. You. It doesn't have a. I mean, it's just coal with a binder to hold it together. That, yeah. I mean, there might be there's wood, coal that they burnt down from wood, compressed together, and with usually a starch or something to hold it together. Now, some of them do put um, some kind of chemical retardant or something on it to put the fire out and sometimes you'll see that in some brands but not in that royal oak natural you yeah know. get you a good all natural yeah just get you a good charcoal that's my answer to that now mm-hmm. i hadn't tested it with anything but royal oak because that's what i burned but, yeah i mean i used to burn kingsford back in the day because it's cheap and you might i don't know i don't, I don't I didn't, i've heard they I don't have remember. some chemicals in there i don't believe it i think yeah. it, i mean why would they do that i don't know it's just something to, to make that coal stick together it's just starch. Yeah. So there's no truth. I don't think there is. Yeah. That's busted. busted. I busted it. <laughs> <laughs> I busted it. Okay. Now we can move on to the trimming season. Yeah. So I started with the regular old nine-pound pork butt I got from the grocery store with nothing special. Trimmed it up a little bit. It actually was a great-looking pork butt. It had a big, big beautiful yeah, money muscle it was. Where did you get that pork butt? Kroger. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was just a Kroger butt, nothing special at all. I don't even remember what you cooked that in the contest, wouldn't you? Heck yeah, I would all day long. I could have got plenty of slices out of that money mm-hmm. muscle. There wasn't a, a lot of fat on it to the excess to trim off. Yeah. Um, 
I took some off, you know, behind the money muscle where there's that little vein, clean that up a little bit. There's always like a little tough, thicker area of almost like cartilage on the money muscle, I guess, where it's attached to the actual hog. You were just pulling off any trash. Any trash, cut out any dark spots that was on it. Well, it didn't take a minute to trim it, really. And then instead of taking the fat cap off or, you know, exposing some of that, what I call butt bacon meat or whatever, you know, that false cap meat, I left all that fat on. Left the false cap on, but I did score it so it would create some just – well, what scoring does – it helps that fat cap break down mm-hmm. because it's smaller pieces and it lets it kind of melt and you'll get some, you know, extra moisture on top of the butt as that fat melts. But scoring it in those little cubes makes delicious little bites. It does. I, mean, they, I did notice somebody said on there, uh, what happened to the pile of delicious little, you know, bites. The delicious little bites? They noticed it got smaller over the video. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't stay out of them. Every time you turned the camera off, I was eating one or two, and you were popping them. They were just Michael little, was popping little. them, and they were great. Man, those, you know, I, you know, I never did used to score the fat cap like that. I've always, well, well I always trimmed it comps. off because of comps, you know, because I want to make, I want to really get that bacon meat on top, what I call bacon, shoulder bacon or whatever, yeah. false cap. I want to get that meat. Well, in comps, try to get you, a bark on it. If you score it. You can't um, push all that fat off and get that string. Yeah, I get that stringy meat. Yeah, of that butt. Bacon. And so I just never did that. But I know uh, I got it from Mark Williams of Swan Life. Yeah. He, he does it all the time, and we did it with the we we're doing like a TX butt, and man, it made them so good. It was like salty and peppery, and just the little cubes right there. And that was the best part. It was better than money muscle. Yeah, to me. it is. I like I like rendered down fat like that. Where it just melts in your mouth. It's so good. And that's what it was. By the time you put the rub on it and set the bark and then glazed it, oh, it was phenomenal. So you didn't use a binder? No, and this really wasn't about a recipe. I was just cooking the butt to see how it would work on the Weber. That's really what it was about. So I just threw some hot rub on it. So do you have I could have put some mustard on it and injected it and done it all up, but that wasn't really what I was going for. We just made that pork butt to eat. And we we made a sandwich out of it, took a few pictures, Bagged it up. We got some in the freezer for some beans. We could make some barbecue nachos. I mean, it was just eating, uh, eating butt. It was smoke and one rub and the glaze, and that was it. And I did, well, I spritzed it. So that's what kind of kept some moisture on it. And I just used apple juice and vinegar. So once I got it seasoned, I did nothing but hot rub. I let it sit there while the grill came up to temp. Is hot rub your favorite rub for pork butts? No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> my favorite is probably ap and the barbecue rub yeah but hot rub's good yeah. i mean you know it's it's straight hot rub on a butt you see how beautiful it is, it is. i mean yeah it's good there's nothing wrong with it hot rub it's not my favorite my favorite's the old standby but i would it's a close close to a favorite yeah, yeah. but it oh, was good so the butt goes centered over the vortex why did you go fat side up this time normally because i wanted to make those delicious little bites <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was and see it, a lot of times I've, yeah a lot of times i mean it does protect the top too that's the other thing the fat does it offers protection to the butt not only does it keep it moist and juicy offers protection and it's good little eats so three ways right there why you should do that <laughs> if you cooked it upside down they're all gonna get uh they're, they're going to be nuked, kind of. Yeah. You know, all the heat kind of goes all down that, that way. Gonna, well, that's usually what happens. I don't know if it would have on that vortex because the vortex kind of shielded it enough. But it's still not going to look good because it's been sitting there on the grate the whole mm-hmm. time. I cooked it that way because I didn't care what the bottom looked like, but I wanted those to be really good. Do you think the um, bottom didn't get burned up as bad because that vortex is taller than an aluminum pan? Yeah, that's yeah. I would say that. I would yeah. say so. And, it, you I know, you could probably get tonight. a large vortex up in there. I set mine... In that there. was a small. What? Yeah, that was a small. But if you had a larger one, it would even give you a larger bowl. And um, I put it in there, and I would have had to, like, done something to the bottom grate to get it to sit right because it did raise the – it was a little uneven on the rack, and I didn't want it to look janky. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to be wobbling. It would have it worked. It yeah. would have just been a little bit uh, wobbly. But it would have gave me a little bigger bowl. So, it, you know, if you had a It'd bigger butt or something, more. it would have protected even more. I don't think it – you went wrong with this one, though. No, no, it was great. I could see doing a chicken in there, too. Yeah. Putting that in there and doing Ooh, a chicken. Oh, yeah. Like, see, I, then I might do that. Just take the cooking grate out 
put the vortex down in there and stand the chicken up on the chicken right vertical and just let it stand there in the bottom of the grill and see how it does because it cook around it. Yeah. You know, you're almost a, rotisserating. Almost, you know, yeah. like the fire's doing yeah. the rotating yeah. instead of the meat. <laughs> It'll be, it's going to be interesting. I hadn't tried it yet, but yeah, I'm interested in doing it. I might try to do my old stand-up turkey and see how that does for Thanksgiving. <laughs> be, Give that one a go again. Yeah, that, that, I've never never done a Weber turkey. Um, you could though. I, I think a, a twelve pound, ten to twelve pound turkey would have fit perfect right there, like that, just like I did that butt. You want to talk about something people want to see? Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a really, lot of people write that down. <laughs> Weber turkey. <laughs> um, That'd be a good. So you one. just basted it every hour. So close the lid and only went and mixed up in my sprayer half apple juice, half apple cider vinegar. About the hour mark, I went out and checked on it just because I wanted to see how that fire was mm-hmm. burning. Uh, spritzed the outside, and I did that. It was burning fine, looking good. Color developed in about three and a half, four hour mark right in there. It's time to wrap oh, it. it was looking good. Oh, it did. It looked beautiful. So I took it off, uh, laid out two big strips of foil because I wanted to double wrap. Put a little vinegar sauce over the top just to add some moisture, and it really makes the bark look better. If you just wrap it up with nothing, it'll kind of be ugly when you unwrap it. But if I've learned if you'll just put some vinegar sauce in there, or you know, barbecue sauce, any, cup, or any yeah. anything, any, any extra like that, it makes that it, thin. It makes that bark look ready. Yeah, I mean it's it's good. <laughs> right, you can eat it right out of there when it's done. And so, stuck a meat probe in it. Um, I used my dot set for two hundred degrees. You know, after I wrapped it up super tight, um, I put it on a little raised rack inside a shallow pan, just so it'd be easy to get off the grill if the full busted. Uh, the pan would catch any drippings or yeah. anything like that. Just made it easy. You don't have to do that. You so could set you, it right back on the rack. But why add the rack to that setup? Because you got the pan. Well, I was just trying to keep it off the bottom of the pan. You yeah. could, I could have set it in there probably. It probably gets a more even cook. I think. With I the think there could be a little bit of airflow underneath it. Yeah. Not as direct heat. It worked. It worked great. I would do that again. I mean, and, you know, we do that a lot of times in comps too. Yeah, that's. A comp I'll put thing. our butt, wrap our butts and put them on a little rack like that and slide them back in the pit. That way, because if you're moving them around or picking them up, you don't. You're, it's less likely for that rack to tear the foil because when it's laying right on it, and you know you're sliding it or anything on your grill grill rack, it, there's a good chance you're going to tear it some yeah. kind of way. And it's in that pan, you can pick it up and move it. And I'm not having to slide it on that little raised rack. And when I get ready to glaze it, all I do is unwrap it, set it off, and then throw the foil away and set it right back on that raised rack, and I'm ready to go. So, and it definitely works really well for when you're glazing it because the glaze doesn't sit on it. yeah yeah that's exactly right so it went back on and it was about right at eight hours i mean to the to the minute Almost, yeah, that the exactly. thing hit 200 uh I, I did go out and check probably about the six hour mark i didn't really look at the clock then just to I always go look at the thermometer see where i'm at so i can kind of gauge how it's climbing well, but the the charcoal was doing fine but what i did like about that new weber is it comes with um, the grates that have the little um, charcoal flaps on the sides yep. where if you did need to add some more charcoal, you don't have to pick the whole grate up and move it. That that would be one option if you don't have a grate to do that. Just get you some grill gloves, set the grate off, put you some more coal in if you need it, and then set it right back on. But th- this one has the little raised up flaps. Yeah. Or you could just put a couple more, you know, another little shovel of coals in there and went right along. But I didn't have to. Ten pounds. It was about ten, half a bag, half a 20-pound bag. Ran eight hours and I had, shut it down, so I don't really know. I mean, it was I mean, it, it was, was almost the to the end. Yeah, it was at the end. Um, you okay? So let's say you cook this butt for an event that's happening in four hours. You pull it off. You got four hours to play with. You're gonna put it in a cooler. Yeah. As soon as it comes, as soon as it hits temp, are you gonna open it? I'm up? gonna vent it. I always like to vent them. Let the steam off. I mean, not like set it there for 20 minutes or anything. Just let the steam off. Wrap it back, set it in a dry cooler. If it's you know a big cooler, throw you some old towels or something in there to take up some of the space. But if it's a small cooler, you probably don't need that. But I do like to set a pan and all down in there to keep it mm-hmm. the cooler as clean as possible. And then um, it's good for four hours. Minimum, Easy. Yeah. Now, I do like to glaze, like if you're going to glaze it. Now, not everybody glazes pork butts. It's more of a show thing. Because you can always doctor it with sauce at the end. Yeah. And most people don't see you break it down, so you're just pulling it anyway. So, But this one, since I did it on camera, and yeah. I like glazing it for the bark, and I knew I was going to be eating some of it on camera, so I just glazed it up. Yeah. And for the glaze, I just used simple, simple 
50 50 the barbecue glazed sauce man. you're gonna glaze everything, everything. <laughs> but it looks good yeah and so i would i would glaze it before i was going to serve it like rest it for the four hours or whenever your event is take it back out go back to the grill and glaze it yeah. i wouldn't glaze it and then hold it yeah definitely it just doesn't do as good but it's still going to be hot and ready oh, yeah. to go. Yeah. Um, now, if you're going off somewhere and there's not going to be a grill, you're probably not going to glaze it at all. You're just going to take it and run it and break it down and doctor it with the little 50-50 sauce right before you serve it. Yep. Um, here's a little pro tip. <laughs> I wrote For me, I need a pro tip. <laughs> I always need tips. Um, this is kind of a competition secret. Right. Is A lot of people will get that smoke flavor or really – Bring the punch of that smoke flavor in in the glazing process That's because right. the smoke attaches to wet sauce. That's right. It sure does. And what you can use there is wood chips. They do great because they're not going to overpower it. Don't soak them in water. Just throw a handful of dry chips right on the coals. And it really gives you that pop of flavor. People would think you've, you know, smoked it for eight hours. Yeah. Because it absorbs that the sauce just grabs that smoke and yeah. holds it. So you can you gotta watch it though, because you put too much, you can oversmoke it. Like you throw a big old piece of green hickory in there, or, or you know, something gonna strong, it. it's gonna ruin it because it's gonna taste oversmoked. But you get a small. And I know um, that firsthand. <laughs> you get a small handful of like apple chips or cherry chips or whatever. It'll it really gives that smoke flavor. That yeah, I like peach. Smoke flavor. Peach. Peach is a good pop yeah. right there because it's mild and it's a little different flavor and it's yeah. like wow. And it's only on there for 10 to 15 minutes yeah, while it's glazing. Not, not so. long at all. Yeah. And that heat on the Weber was perfect for glazing. It was just right. I mean, I didn't check the vents back. I just let it roll and it, it seized it mm-hmm. up in about 10 minutes and locked that sauce in. So what are you looking for when you glaze? What I want it to when not do you look know it's glazed. Not look like fresh sauce on the on the on whatever it is you're glazing. It's baked in. I want it to look caramelized. The sauce changes colors. It looks baked in. You know, it kind of looks cooked on. And it, it doesn't take a whole lot. Of heat to do that, you know, you're not talking an hour or anything like yeah. that with the sauce. It'd burn up and turn black on. You got to watch it. You don't want to go too far when you get sauce on setting the sauce. I mean, it's just to set the sauce, caramelize it down, get it to start to where it's about to turn, and it'll make the outside. That's what really makes your bark look good. So if you've wrapped something, most of the time it's going to look horrible because it's just been nuked inside mm-hmm. that foil, and that's why we started setting the glaze. A lot of times I'll hit it with a little rub, put it back on, bring the bring the color back, then I'll pop it with the sauce mm-hmm. and let the sauce glaze on, and that really sets your bar. But this one, I didn't think it needed any extra rub. It was ready to go. Yeah, it was. It was really pretty. Um, and that's a judgment call, too, if you need extra rub. Like for ribs a lot of times, especially if they've been in like a lot of butter and brown sugar, they've kind of taken some of your bark look off, a little rub will bring them right back. I think when people say, "Why? how do your ribs or your pork butter this look so good in like your pictures and stuff, because you take the time to glaze it at the Yeah, time. yeah, it doesn't it do a lot a for the difference. appearance. Yeah, um, that so goes back to comps, you know, knowing you got to have a good appearance. Uh, what would you do differently? Get me another Weber grill, cook me two butts. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't do nothing different on that one. Made some white barbecue sauce, maybe some coleslaw. All we had was some pickles and some eating bun. Hey, pickles! It was great. It was great. You buy those restaurant thin? Is that what they're called? Thin restaurant chips, the Kroger something. ones. Yeah. yeah, heck yeah, those are they're, awesome. The, they're like pickles McDonald's have. I wish they're I like could figure out their recipe for that. Flat and them. smooth, flat, thin, and them. smooth. They're just like I don't know. They remind me of like Crystal or White Castle. Yes, the little thinnest cut ones. But you put some of those on the bottom and some meat on top, some sauce drizzled over it. You got you a pork sandwich. I like to put a little extra rub on top of my pork when I do that. Mm-hmm. Give it a yeah. pop of seasoning. Yeah, but same thing. But that setup for the butt would work on a lot of different – I mean, you're not going to do ribs like that, but you're talking for chi- for a whole chicken, beef ribs, a small brisket, a chuck roast, something, you know, that's that needs a longer cook. That snake method on the Weber with the the void in the center in like a, a pan or the vortex yeah. would work awesome. I mean, so, you know you're going to run – you can run that pit at 250 – you can get eight hours easy out of it, and just by adding a little more coal, you can even go further than that on some stuff. Yeah, if now, you needed to. It would work good on like a half pork loin. That'd be a perfect cook for that, you know? Yeah, I can see that. Well, so, okay, you're talking about chickens and pork loins. They don't have the same cook time as a pork butt. No, and you don't have to go eight hours, but, I mean, you know, just shut it down, and you still got part of your coals left. That's yeah. a good thing about that snake method. 
is it's not using up all your coal. So if you do finish your cook, you can shut the vents down, cut all the oxygen off. Those coals are going to go out. And so you've got more coals. You can just start your next one. Yeah. Or for now, let's, I want to talk about the other two zones set up. Okay. Because you can also go indirect with putting all the coals on one side yeah. and then having your pan over on the other side. So and I it, think we have a really old video where you cooked a pork butt with that method. I need like to. Old, old. I, I need to do a. Here's another one I want to do on the Weber is ribs, and show because ribs wouldn't work on mine, but on the snake method because they're too long. Yep. If you cut a rack down, but who wants you want to cook a full rack? But I could cook, you know, two. I know with coals on one side and a void on the other with a pan, or I could get a rib rack and stand them up, and I could probably cook three to four slabs at one time on a Weber. So that's probably a video I'll do in the future, just for another good Weber video to show people how to. How to set that one up. Now, you've seen me. I've, I've used the two-zone fire like that a lot. Yes. Like um, all on one side. And yeah. You use that. I, I use it for, for all kinds of stuff. It's great for tri-tip. You chicken. know, for <laughs> it's good for chicken. A lot of chicken pieces. Yeah. Um, like if you're doing the jerk chicken, any kind, of, any kind of thing where you want to start out like a reverse sear. And that's what I think of. I, I use that style setup if I want to do a reverse sear or if I want a safe zone. Because I can cook, you know, I can grill Right over the hot side, and then it's got me a safe area. If things get out of hand, I can move it over. Yeah. And so that's just a setup everybody needs to learn. And you can also, um, this Weber grill came with these little charcoal trays, and you can buy them. They're, they're, it's like they're a like Weber accessory. Yeah, a little half moon charcoal yeah. trays. Now you can set up a, a two zone fire from that where each tray goes on a side, and then it leaves you a long void down the middle. And that one's great for the rotisserie setup. Um, we used to use it for what I called flipping chicken. So we had this uh, it was a fish basket. Yeah, it was like a fi- camping fish basket that you put vegetables in or fish, and you kind of lock it down yep. and holds it in place. And it goes. Um, I'm not sure if I got my my rotisserie set for the Weber kettle from Weber, or if it was like an aftermarket product. I can't remember. I but it's remember. a ring. It's a ring that sets on top of the Weber. You take the lid off, set the ring on it, and it's got notches for the rod. So you got your rotisserie spit that goes through there, and then you don't want the fire right below it. Well, I want it to be even coming from both sides instead of right below. I guess you could run it below and let it flip, but when I did that chicken, I had the charcoal. I knew it took 17 coals on each side to get my chicken <laughs> done in 25 minutes. I had yeah. it down. I did it and did it and did it. And we did never it. put it in a butter bath when we did that chicken, right? No, no. It, it was just straight spinning. flipping chicken. So you take that. You take your chicken thighs, season them up, do all that, put them in that basket, lock them down, run the rod through there, and it's, it's like thumb screws onto the rod to hold it still. You put it in place, and then you put the Weber lid on, and you turn the motor on, and it starts flipping that chicken. Well, you got fire on both sides with that basket flipping, and it's just even heat mm-hmm. all the way through it. Um, it ran at about 300 degrees yeah. with, with, with 34 coal briquettes. I'd put a couple wood wood chunks, small wood chunks on each one, and it would cook. It would cook competition chicken in twenty five minutes. I mean, we would take them out, we'd um, glaze them, glaze them, rub them. But what I would do at that point, like once they got first cooked, in about I guess it was 20, 20 minutes, they would be done. We'd temp them. They'd be about one eighty five, one ninety. Yep. We'd take them out, dunk them in sauce, and then I'd take the rotisserie spigot off and set the grate back on there and put a pan there, and I put the chicken in the pan. And just let it cook and glaze right, right there in between, like sitting down in the grill. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I did. I didn't put the grate. I set it right down in the grill, so the heat was on either side of it coming over, and it would set the sauce. And then we were done. And we did really, really great with that flipping chicken oh, because it was a different taste place. of chicken. Yeah, yeah, like first place, a bunch of first place chickens. But what happened was cooking them in those baskets would leave definite lines across the top. And so we started hearing hearing back feedback from judges because we had judging friends and people would talk and they would I was afraid they were getting to notice my chicken and they would think that it wasn't as good as the time they had it and it was first place. I think we were over so, it. But we it just would, had a few bad hits with that yeah, chicken and it was completely either, abandoned it. Yeah, and so I got rid of cooking. <laughs> I went back to I'm not cooking chicken with any kind. Of, I don't want them. You know, I don't want them to be able to tell it was flipping chicken or whatever. We're going back to flipping chicken. <laughs> it makes really good eating chicken. It's almost crispy and it's got the grill. It does. That, I think that's what was good about it because it it you got the and skin pinned. And as long as you've got it wrapped around, the skin can't come undone. There was no toothpicking it or trying to keep it in place. The the basket itself held it in place. 
and it was hot enough to where it would make it look like you had it on grape. Mm-hmm. And so it was. It was beautiful chicken, and it, it was really kinda, pretty. Yeah. And it was different. Everybody else is cooking their chicken in a butter, butter bath, bath, chicken, same yeah. way, the same way we do it now. Yeah. And it's good chicken, but being just a little different. And we had and good. fire roasted <laughs> competition chicken thighs, and they were good. We're gonna flip some chicken. All right. But it was a pain to haul the Weber because back then I didn't have one. The legs would pop out. <laughs> I wanted to talk about that. The new Weber. What I was on it. Well, first I wanted to talk about Weber grills. Period. Okay. Let's talk about the history of Weber Grills. What do you know? I did a little research last night. Let me tell you what I know. Yeah, because I, I, I know they've been making them, I don't know, since World War II or something like that. <laughs> um, when did the first, okay, Shell, do you know when the first Weber Grill was made? In the early 50s. Uh, That's what I, I, I guess. So backyard grilling started getting popular after World War II. People were moving to the suburbs and they were cooking, um, but everybody was using uh, – Almost like what we call camping grills. You know, it was just a box or a circle, coals in the bottom, great on top. No yeah, lid. No lid. Yeah, I remember seeing no those. No airflow. From the, I remember seeing those like pictures of them. It was like, a, it almost looked like a hubcap on some legs. It'd be almost, real thin, yeah. like, a, like those disc cookers. Yeah, almost. they called them brazers. Yeah, I can see that. Bra- I guess. B R A Z I. Those were the old school grills. Yeah. But you had flare ups, you couldn't control it. Weather would ruin a girl, you know, mm-hmm. wind, wa- rain, whatever. So old George, lid, huh? <laughs> old George <laughs> Stephen was working for the, um, it was the Weber Sheet Metal Company or something like that. I think he was part owner. At fabricators. The time. Yeah, or it was fabricators. Yeah. They were doing buoys, like, yeah. for the Great Lakes. They were making buoys. So he had this idea where he took a buoy and I saw it and it didn't look like a buoy to me, but whatever. He cut it in half. And turned the bottom part. It, I can and it, see that. Yeah, it looked like a, almost like an original kettle, similar shape. Yeah. But um, I'm, I imagine it looking more like a. Uh, it was more tall and thin. Like a, you know, what I call a cauldron or witch's pot. Yes. Kind of, yes. you know, metal looking like that. Almost like the end of a propane tank, you know? Very similar. More, it's yes. more yeah. It's more of a kettle, like, yeah. So he started doing that. He cut, he made a prototype. Um, it worked so well that he started making, you know. He started, bit, yeah. Well. He started doing, um, making actual the Weber grill, something very, very similar to what you have today. Yeah. Um, and he called it George's Barbecue Kettle, and that huh. was in 1952. Um, I did not know that. In the late 50s, he took ownership of Weber completely and started a barbecue division, and they just kept making more and more and more. He was a great entrepreneur. When did he get into propane grills? Uh, that they was, sell a bunch of propane grills too. That was in the. Um, shortly after, I mean, I didn't get into all that detail. Where'd you get these facts? <laughs> Wikipedia <laughs> and the Weber and the Weber. Good to know. Website. I, um, so now I, just, the I just wrote in my notes that there's probably more Weber these <laughs> Weber kettles sold than any other grill. It's the top selling charcoal grill in the world. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah, but one thing I did find interesting when I um, was doing research was Hasty Bake has been making grills since 1948. Wow. And Char Broil says they started before even that. So you think about Weber being the original, yeah. But there's there were several other grills out there. Well, PK yeah. was coming along back then too. Really? They were in the fifties. They were in the fifties. Yeah, I want to say I want to say it's like fifty two. I don't know for a fact, but I know it's it was in the fifties when PK got made the portable kitchen. Yeah, Weber was just better at getting it out there, yeah. advertising, and it's a great grill. And it's a great grill. Yeah, Heck yeah. it's an every man's grill. Yeah, there was a a story of. One of the stories was that, um, you know, when he was trying to spread the word about the Weber grill and show it off, he went to a local bank and made a deal with them that um, if he could set up and do demos of his grill, he would pass out free ham sandwiches for everybody that came in and set up an account at this bank. And the guy said, oh, yeah, that's great. And they had tons of people show up for grilled ham sandwiches. I don't know what a grilled ham sandwich is, but it was basically <laughs> rye bread, ham, and mustard is what they said. That don't sound bad. You know, I imagine it's like pit ham. You know yeah, how you do it, yeah. Baltimore pit ham yeah, or whatever? Yeah, that's exactly probably what it was. It, just, it was already, you know, it's already ham. He just warmed it up on the grill, got some char on it, and probably sliced it off and Passed them piled off. it up. Yep. Sold a bunch of grills, I bet. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was like, what's a grilled ham sandwich? I googled it. Hey, I'm writing that down. Grilled ham sandwich. It is a good idea. Well, I've been wanting you to do that Baltimore pit ham. I'm going to call it the old George. (laughs) 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 Old George. 
So, ah, mustard, grilled ham. <laughs> um, and then in the eighties, they opened a Weber restaurant, and now I think they have four or five locations. I've been to operation. I've been to the one I've been to the one uh, I downtown. So I mean, tell I me guess about I, the Weber restaurant. It was pretty cool. They had a, from what I remember now, this has been many a beers ago, <laughs> but it was a. Uh, it was right downtown. We were up there for a ball game. And um, when I, the dinner, I saw the Weber restaurant, and all you see is this big line of Weber grills inside the kettles. That's what they're cooking up. Yeah. So you sit down, and it's hot. Because <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what time. It was probably – it was one of the early games that year. I think Florida State okay. was playing Notre Dame. It was at, early at fall, Bend. late summer. Yeah, and, we, and I went up there to go watch Florida State play Notre Dame. It was an awesome game. Florida State dominated. I'll probably beat Notre Dame worse than they've been beating home that game. But we went to we went we stayed in Chicago. Just drove over to South Bend because you know not much happening in South no, Bend. No, there ain't nothing happening in South Bend. <laughs> Chicago is a twenty four hour city. Yeah, lots. Going <laughs> it was on. more custom yeah. to your lifestyle. It's more though. custom to my lifestyle. <laughs> so we went to Weber Grills, and I, I think I got fillet there. And I remember it being really good. It was really hot, and I thought it was cool how they just had the same grills you could go buy lined up all down and their kitchen was open so you could see what was going yeah. on and it wasn't like i don't remember glass being in between or anything you just kind of walked by it they might have had like a low counter that you had to stay behind or something but the chefs were back there cooking on charcoal grilling steaks everything they were cooking was coming off those weber kettles and it was pretty slick yeah i always wanted was to it go a steakhouse oh yeah it was a, it was a weber steakhouse yeah that's what it was and the menu was it was better. I tell you what, it was better than Lowry's. I went to Lowry's that trip too. Oh really? Weber was way better. Yeah. You get a fillet it there at Lowry. Uh, I think I got a rib out there. I didn't I know Lowry's remember. had a restaurant. Yeah, Chicago. There's so many good restaurants in Chicago. Oh yeah, it's one of my favorite cities. I love Chicago. That and New Orleans are. Yeah, you know, foodie towns, yeah, man. Yeah. You go there. I've always Fun wanted. Fun foodie. Towns. I never got to go um, to the Taste of Chicago. I've always wanted to go up there for that. I've heard it's like when it's hot. And it's in May, I think. Crowded. Like that. Um, oh, yeah. You know, one of my favorite things in Chicago is their combo popcorn. It's like a half caramel corn, half cheddar cheese, cheese corn. corn. You stand in line to get it. Oh, it's so good. They got a good hot dog. Oh, yeah, but they so got a Navy Pier and get you a Chicago dog. New Orleans got, got go, that good hot dog, too. You got to go dogs. get a pizza. Yeah. Chicago deep dish pizza. I'm and the sausage sandwich. Combo sandwich, man. There's so Italian beef. I'm more of a New York pizza. I've never been to New York. I haven't either, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I have been to several Chicago deep dish restaurants. Um, What's the other one I really like? You got to stay up on the Who mic. Knows it's good. There's, there's a whole bunch. There's several of them that are real good. You got to stay up on the mic. Okay, I was just thinking of myself yeah, yeah. away from it. You had a moment. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking away. about Chicago Deep Dish Pizza. It's almost lunchtime. So but, um, we'll talk about what you got for your birthday. Yeah, so I got this new Weber kettle, and it's pretty damn awesome. Yeah. It's got upgrades. So what is it? So, I had, so I've had, now I've had three Weber kettles in my life. The first one was the Marlboro kettle. <laughs> The second one was the green kettle that I've used in a lot of videos. Yeah. And the third is How did you get the green one? one? Did you just buy it? Yeah, I yeah. just bought it. Bought it on Amazon, I think. And this one, did you got buy this one on Amazon or from Weber? No, I bought it from Weber. Okay. And it's called, is it called the Master Touch? What's it called? Look it up. Okay. It's the Weber Touch. I know the original one I had, the last one I had was the One Touch. The first one was just the old, doesn't even have the charcoal ash catch pan or anything. The Marlboro Grill, it was just a, like a flat little <laughs> cylinder or you know, a flat plate in there that caught the ashes. Um, ungrateful. I've never met a man more ungrateful. <laughs> the, the, Marlboro, the Marlboro Grill was awesome. I love that grill. Somebody told me they still have it. I think it was uh, Dukers. One of his buddies is the one that got it off our curb when I set it out there. <laughs> and he's like, you know, and after he heard us talking about it on the podcast, he said, he said, you know, uh, so-and-so still has that grill. I don't think he's using it anymore. I said, man, tell him I want it back. That's a classic. <laughs> I'll buy it back from him. Did you hear anything about that? At all. No, I need to follow up with him on that. I forgot all about it. Um, I think he told me that when we were going out of town or something. That needs to go in the museum. It does. <laughs> at least. I mean, we could at least put it in the showroom i could turn that into some type of flower pot or <laughs> um, it's ready to cook what do you mean <laughs> um so that's a master i think it's the master, master touch, touch yeah. charcoal grill 22 inch yeah 
So it's just a souped-up Weber kettle is all it is. And what they've done, the features that I like about it, that's what I wrote down. I don't know what I don't like about it because I hadn't. You hadn't played with it enough yeah. to find that out. Um, but so what makes it different, it comes with a lid hinge now. And the hinge system is really cool because the lid just kind of goes in there real easy. Yeah. It's easy to take on and off without having to unscrew anything. There's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, pin pulling or anything like that. But it works really good. It holds it up no problem. Closes down good. Did take a little bit of adjustment. You know, you got to get it to where it sits right and seals off because, you know, you want it to close down tight or whatever. But it was, wasn't hard to put together at all. Mark Williams, I think, put it together for me in 10 minutes. He was like, you want to put that together real quick? And I said, sure. Throwed it together with nothing to it. And, uh, <laughs> but, so they. Sure, you they, get started. I'll be right there. Yeah, I'll go <laughs> check and see if the beer's cold. <laughs> <laughs> so they added, so they added the charcoal hinge. They added um, a little fire ring. It sets down in the bottom of the grill. So you've got the fire grate. And then they've got another ring in there, which I really like. Because it keeps your coals, uh, it's it's a little bit smaller than the circumference of the the cooking area, so it's like twenty two inch grate. Well, this ring is probably, I don't know, sixteen to eighteen inches if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit smaller, so you don't lose coals all the way out to the edge, and it you know just keeps them all together in one even layer. I really like that ring, and they also uh, it comes with a diverter now, so it sets up for another way of of, of two zone slow smoking on the Weber. Now I hadn't played with that. Somebody said um, that they wanted you. They were disappointed you weren't using the. Diffuser. Oh, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to use it for something. I promise you. But not everybody but, has that diffuser. In yeah, the and that's what so. I wanted to do. I wanted to do the snake method. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's what I wanted to show. I'm going to use that. Believe me, because that was another feature that it came with. Now they also moved the vent. The vent on a Weber used to be kind of kicked off to the side. The handle was straight on top. Mm-hmm. Well, they moved the handle to the front now because it's got the hinge to raise it up. And so they took the vent and moved it dead center up top. And it works a lot like an egg or ceramic grill yeah. or something like that. Um, I was a little, you know, iffy. Because, you know, on a Weber kettle, the great thing was about it was you could always take that vent and move it wherever yeah. you wanted yeah. to, depending on the wind. So I'm on the fence on that yet. It's So far, it worked great for that for the low and slow cook. I couldn't imagine it working any better. And they may have done that just because of the way the egg, you know, the ceramic grills are designed for that heat to roll up, and they found a better way to move that handle. Because you can't really have the handle on top if it doesn't have a lid hinge. you got to be able to pick it up. It wouldn't work where it was. But that worked out great. It they, says it has a one-touch cleaning system in the bottom. Have you messed with that at all? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that has to mean <laughs> that it has this little slide handle on the ash pan, and all that does is move the the Intake coals. vents, yeah, it does, and so you can go back and forth with it and make the coals <laughs> fall out. I guess they're gonna call that one touch, <laughs> but I mean that's that's been standard. But what they did do, they changed the intake vents. They used to be just slits, and this this it had a, it had this like fan blade looking uh, vent cover that mm-hmm. would go in there, and that was what was on the handle, and you could move and turn. It almost looked like an old school propeller on an airplane or something. Yeah. Well, now they've got those vents cut wider. And they kind of circle out. It looks like a, a capital letter P or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So it gives you more air going in, and you can control it. You can even check it down further and leave that a little open. So if it's getting away from you, you can really let a little bit of air in. That's what I like about so it. it. That's why they did control. it. Gives you more control of the airflow through the pit. Yeah. So you. That's exactly the why they right did now. it. So, so I imagine when you put that diverter in, you check those back to where they're just barely open, with the you know the little circle of the P shape open. Yeah. And the top vent, you can really get to that. I bet you could hold it down to 225 if you want to, no problem. But I've got to play with all that, and that's coming. I hadn't, I had, just hadn't done it yet. Yeah, was that your first cook? No, no. Uh, I mean, I fired it up and started cooking steaks on it right away. I yeah. Mean, that's, that's what I mainly use my Weber for is a fast steak cook. Why don't we try it out tonight? Oh, no. I'm not going to do it low and slow tonight. No, I'm no, not. I'm thinking steaks. Oh. Um, Sounds like a plan. After football practice. Yeah. Um, so oh, is it football practice tonight, or is it baseball practice tonight? It's baseball practice tonight. That's right. Yeah, we are sure. playing baseball and football this fall. So, what other feature? Oh, Attack. now the legs. Well, now the okay. legs. Like my old Weber, and I hated it for it. It was hard to move around because the legs just went up in there, and all they had was like these little folded over a piece of wire that was supposed to hold the leg up in there. Never would. I mean, mm-hmm. Weber was notorious for coming off the legs. Then they added you this little pin. So now it's got like another 
push pin deal where it can't come out. Well, I always took a sheet metal screw and just one right straight through it, yep. through the frame, held the leg on. Once I figured that out, my problem was solved. I was like, why wouldn't we ever do this? Anyway, so now they do. That, that kind of pins in like a tent pole or something. <laughs> and it works. And the wheels, the wheels used to come off really easy, but now the way they, they go on, they can't really come off. Well, I really think that they were building it for people to put on their patio and leave. They did not know you were going to haul it all over the country. Yeah, tailgating and steak cooking and all that. Yeah. Flipping chicken at contests. But now they've thought about that. and Yeah, and so it works really good. The wheels you used to have to beat on with like a hammer. Mm-hmm. Now they're they, horrible. Yeah, now they go on really easy. But that's the – and and it came with um, a little like – I guess you call it it's a clip-on or a thumb screw. uh it's not really a shelf. I guess it's a bracket to hold a thermometer, and I'm sure it's for like their Weber eye grill or something. But the thermal work, it's but it's it's metal, so my thermal works dot just magnetized right to it. Oh, that's cool. And it stayed there, and you could put your you know you could put your wire probe thermometer device yeah. right there on it. That was handy. Um, it also came with the little half moon charcoal trays, like like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And so that it comes with a lot of stuff. I mean, it, it was came it like with more accessory, bucks? but I got you the premium. I don't know if that made a difference. Yeah. Um, How much was it? Three hundred bucks, two ninety nine. Yeah, I didn't think that's a bad price for it. I mean, huh. knowing the Weber One Touch is about probably one twenty nine or more. It's a it's a double that easy, but I don't I know. I mean, if that's what you're gonna, you can do a lot with it. You can love. I mean, that I, charcoal I think grill it's can good, last it's you a, for a long time. People ask me what's a grill to learn, you know, to start out on. I'll always say master kettle. Get you a Weber kettle. I don't care if it's the base model. Learn to cook on it using the vents and the airflow and the different setups. Then you're ready to decide if you want to more, invest more money into different kinds of smokers or go pellet or whatever you want to do. Yeah. But the Weber kettle is a great jumping off point. And I would say it's versatile. Yeah, I would say start with something in that price range at least. Get you know, get a few cooks in. Learn how you like yeah. to cook. See what you like, you know. And then you'll be able to, you know, invest the thousand, two thousand, or above. Yeah, if you want, to, something if you want a pellet grill or an egg yeah. or a bigger smoker or something like that, that's definitely the way to go. But you can get everybody should inch. have a Weber kettle. You can get an eighteen inch, which it, I'd go with a twenty two if you could. But you can get an eighteen inch for eighty nine. Yeah, that's dirt cheap. Twenty twenty two is one sixty five. Oh, is, it? is that what yeah. it is now? Have you ever um, wanted the ranch? You know, that was the one I thought I did want. The big ranch kettle mm-hmm. because it's the biggest one they make. But more the more people I've talked to said, I mean, said it's just too big. I mean, it would be cool if you weren't going to ever move it and it was going to set out. You're going to use it for a lot of grilling and stuff. But I think the 22 inch is the most versatile. Yeah, I'll tell you what I want now. Um, well, I wanted to talk about accessories, but most of them aren't Weber accessories that I love. They're yeah. aftermarket accessories. So for the I, Weber, so, though. yeah, for or, the Weber. Or for I mean, grill. yeah. yeah. You know, I've bought a kettle grill at Walmart for 40 bucks, 50 bucks. Yeah, those are knockoffs. There's a lot of knockoffs. They didn't last long at all. Yeah. But it was for like a tailgate or, you know, it was like we needed it that day. I've had one. um, In fact, was it Charbroil that made one? They sent me one. I did a couple videos with it at the old house. Yep. And then now it's still at my dad's place up in, in McNair County. Yeah. He cooked steaks on it. I got a set of grill grates for him for it. And it's still, it's hanging in there. Yeah. Is it a Weber kettle? No. <laughs> That's a good grill, though. You know, there's people that, like, collect them. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. It's There's a lot of vintage. I think some of those vintage ones are cool. They used to make a lot of different colors and stuff. And They've got one now that's blue. I kind of saw that when really? I was looking at <laughs> You not like that, that blue one? Yeah. Not that we need any more grills. But, so talk, let's talk about attachments. Yeah. So, so out there what's available or some of the favorite ones that I have, First one come to mind is my Gabby Grills Santa Maria attachment. Yes. yes. I love that thing. It's a heavy-duty steel uh, Santa Maria, like, circle with the, you know, the, the handle on it and yeah. the cable system that lets you roll the wire up to raise the grade up off and down. And, man, that thing's fun to cook on. I've, <laughs> I've done a lot of cooking on it, and I love it. And I think that's a great. It allows you to have a Santa Maria grill for, you know, yeah, without, 100 bucks. Yeah, yeah, for, for that style. And it, I mean, it's really cool. I guess they're still making those. I don't know. I've yeah, I'm pulling it up right years. now. But um, they started at one thirty nine, one forty. Yeah, that's not a bad yeah. price at all. I mean, I don't know if you can tear it up. I mean, I guess you could break the cable or something, but it's all steel. Yeah, you might could break the cable, but I think that'd be really easy to replace. Yeah, that that attachment 
and the rotisserie are probably my favorite two that I have. Um, the rotisserie was, I talked about it earlier, it's that ring and the rod. Um, you know, you can get. Was that a Weber attachment? I, or no, I don't think so. I think it's an aftermarket rotisserie for a kettle. Um, Weber probably makes one, I imagine, but I don't, I don't think this was by, I don't know. It's been so long. That was something I bought. Oh, when, I, when we first started cooking KCBS, so that's been, man, it's been before Michael was born. It's been yeah. a long time ago. Probably. You still have it, too. Yeah, I still got it. I, I, it's on a hook hanging up on the wall. I got the rod, the <laughs> motor, all of it still works, too. I mean, most of that stuff's pretty dang durable. That's yeah. what I like about weather. As long as you don't let um, it out and leave it out in the weather. Yeah, well, you know, I was gonna, I had that on here to talk about. They make covers for a Weber kettle. I've never put one on mine. I, I mean, this new one, I'll probably keep it undercover because it was a $300 grill. But for a 150 buck Weber, man, let that jugger set out. You can't tear them up. Yeah. I mean, if you keep the vents closed, I've never had one rust. I mean, it's just the grate. You might have to replace the grates, but everything else on them does fine. I mean, they're they're pretty damn durable. Um, one of the other accessories that I don't have, but I would be interested in checking out, is that pizza oven attachment. Have you seen those? I think yeah, several companies something to me about several that. companies have made them and they sit right on top of Weber and turn it into a pizza oven. I hadn't I hadn't ever experienced I hadn't seen one in person and I hadn't tried one, but I think it'd be a pretty cool idea. But um Here's bit, one. They go for about hundred and eighty four. Hundred and eighty four bucks. Yeah, it's not a Weber, it's a kettle pizza. Yeah. It's just so it's a cool oh. attachment, I thought. It so be, it just goes in between um the lid. Yeah, grate. it's a, it's like the ring for the rotisserie. It goes in it, between it. But that was what similar, the reason yeah. why I brought that Ooh, up is I want that. It kind of shows the versatility of that kettle. Yeah. Like you've got more than just a charcoal grill with that. You've got more options. So by the time you get the pizza attachment, the Gabby Grills attachment, the the rotisserie attachment. $1, you yeah, but you've got <laughs> four or five different grills that you have options to cook with. Yeah. Um, another one that I do have that I used to use a lot, I cooked some comp chicken. That was a ribolator. Oh, and it's, it's a, it's a rotisserie attachment that turns the Weber into a rotisserie grill. It comes with like four, uh, stainless trays that look, if you think of a carousel, that's how it looks. And you can put slabs of ribs on them. You can put, we use them for chicken. I have cooked ribs on them. We've cooked wings on them. Cooked wings on it. It works great. You use those charcoal trays and get you your heat right. But better have it level. You got to balance it. It's it's because it, I have ended up with my chicken at a contest in the bottom of the Weber kettle because it gets off balance. And it's I will the only never drawback. forgive. I will never forgive the ribolator for that. Really? That's why we quit using it because yep. we couldn't balance it. But that was a pretty cool attachment. If you got the patience to work with it and balance it right, it worked. Yes, it does. It works. But it's a lot of pieces. It's a big, monstrous attachment. It is. And you've got to be very, very careful. One time we did chicken wings and they all fell off, you know. Or one of the, the chicken wings stopped the, you know, movement. And, and when we came bi- back. Put it vine and then yeah. all the shells were dropped. Or when we well, came back, it was like these wings were burnt and these ring ribs were raw because they let's scratch that. Ribolator. Don't buy the ribolator. I forgot all about that. It's been so long. Maybe that's why I've never used it again, Shell. I'm about to edit that out. <laughs> don't don't get the ribolator, Shell. Hey, you do you. I'm yeah. just saying. Hey, just being fair, warned. It I'm works if you got patience and are willing to balance it. And if you're OCD enough to stack your charcoal in there, you might want to balance your ribolator. Yeah, yeah. Might be the perfect attachment. But if you're like me. Chaos rules the day. <laughs> <laughs> the ribolator may not be for you. Yeah, if you're I like to throw chucking my stuff, and jiving. Yeah, I like to throw my stuff on and my big gorilla hands. and <laughs> it, <laughs> it doesn't work well with all those tiny moving parts. I just remember thinking, mm, that ribolator. Yeah, damn that ribolator. Yeah. Um, you know, probably the, probably my favorite attachment, and this goes Let's for see. any grill. I'm going to see if this is yours, mine, same as mine. What? Go All-time ahead. favorite. Go ahead. Now go ahead. Grill grate. That's exactly what I was going to say. The grill grate. That is worth It's the worth money. the money for them, yeah. yeah no matter can. what grill you got. Yeah, but for, especially for a Weber kettle, especially yeah. if you love grilling steaks or burgers or anything pretty much where you want to get the pretty grill marks on it. Yep. Even heat. And then you talk about being able to flip the grill grates over and cook on the flat side surface for yep. smash burgers or, or pretty much anything. Grilled cheese. I mean, you could do all kinds of stuff with them. But grill grates is my number one accessory. It makes not by Weber. They're made by grill grates. They're made by grill grates. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but they make them for every size grill. Yeah, I can't, I, gotta have them for your Weber though. If you're having problems with flare ups with burgers yeah. or steaks or getting even cooking or anything, 
Girl Crush just makes it so much easier and better. And for, you know, another one for me. Another one is the Vortex. If you're a chicken wing lover yeah. like I am, big fan of chicken wings. You know, that Vortex. You've used a lot. Of, you've cooked fish on with using the Vortex. Yeah, I've done a lot of stuff with yeah. it. Yeah, Vortex is versatile too. I mean, yeah. I had I wrote down so these are must-have accessories that I say if you got a Weber grill, the must the my must-have ones. First is a charcoal chimney. Weber makes them, but there's a ton of aftermarket ones. Next is my grill grates. Next is my vortex. And next is a rotisserie. And then my gravy grills. Yeah. That's my lineup for must-have accessories for a Weber kettle. Yep. Because, I mean, you've got so many options with those right there that you can cook and do. You've done chick- You've done like chicken thighs with the vortex, fish, a lot of chicken wings. That's my favorite thing to cook with. Yeah. Now pork butt. Now pork butt. And I'm going to do a whole chicken, too. That's on my hair. I don't know what I'm going to call it. Or I'm going to do a Weber turkey. I'm going to call it the Vortex whole chicken. Write it Just down. Just so I remember. If I don't write it down, I'll forget. <laughs> I got that. Uh, so is there anything else? Um, the only other thing that I had made notes of, and I know we probably get asked this because I get asked it all the time, is what kind of fuel do I burn? In my in the Weber kettle, yeah, uh, I I would say eighty ninety percent of the time I'm burning charcoal briquettes. Yeah, I just like the even heat on them when I'm grilling. That's what I use. The only time I really burn lump is when I'm cooking with that uh, Santa Maria attachment. Yeah, because I like the wood flavor and it's popping. And, you know, it just gives a good heat. It's real high heat, but I can get away with it on that Santa Maria attachment. I will use some some lump sometimes if I'm grilling steaks and I know it's going to be quick cook. But most of the time, it's briquettes. And even in, you know, when I was taking the Weber Steak Contest, I would burn briquettes. Yeah. I wouldn't burn lump. So that's 90% of the time charcoal briquettes, 10% of the time lump. Yeah. But, you know, that's just your personal. That's, that's my yeah. personal, uh, pre- it's personal preference. Lump will burn great in it. But, but I mean, to me, it's made for charcoal briquettes. It really is. <laughs> it really is. Um, so what have we got coming up? We got a um, lot of beef. <laughs> A lot of beef. I've got, yeah, uh, my buddy Brian uh, from Son of, Son of a Butcher, right? Yep, Son of Butcher Barbecue. Went down to Pensacola and, and saw Mr. He just Kevin got engaged. Down there. Congratulations, yeah, congratulations Brian, Brian Whitney. Whitney. Yeah, congratulations, guys. But they went down, uh, Brian went down and saw Mr. Kevin there at the butcher shop in Pensacola, Florida. And and he luckily, I appreciate it very much, called me and said, man, is there anything you need while I'm down here? I'll pick it up for you and bring it back. So I was like, as a matter of fact, there is. <laughs> I wanted some chuck steaks. I wanted some Denver steaks. I got some tomahawk. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I got I got a flank steak, and I got a beef tenderloin. So Goodness. I've got it's fixing to be beef city. Ready for some iron? We're fixing to go <laughs> back to back to back beef. I don't know if it's gonna be back to back to back. It's on the freezer, so we're gonna. I'm gonna mix them in. I got some other things I'm gonna do. But it's going to be beef heavy, I promise you, because... I'm fine with that. Those chuck steaks are wacky. Denver steaks are wacky. What's the plan for the chuck Tomahawk steaks? Tomahawk steaks are just, I think, prime. They look good. I don't know. Uh, chuck steaks? Yeah. Uh, it's a... Uh, I want to say it's a poor man's steak, but it's wacky, so it's really not a poor man's steak. <laughs> but it's a good... It's an inexpensive cut. I mean, and I hope it, I hope Brian... Uh, Brian vacuum sealed them up for me. He picked them up fresh, vacuum sealed them, froze them, trucked them up. Oh. And I hope – I don't know if the tags on them or not because I really want to see what they cost. I might have to uh, get him to – Take him out to dinner or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I got paying for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but so he, he's got to know. But I wanted to see what the package was so you could pair and see what you could get these chuck steaks for. Oh, yeah, okay. And how they're better than any grocery store steak you could get. And it's a ch- it's just part of the chuck roast. You know, they cut them in the steaks. But that's where Wagyu shines. The lesser cuts, the, the Denver steaks, the chuck steaks, the flat irons, the chuck roast. All those wagyus. That's worth your also, money. It's worth the money because they're not that expensive. Now you get up into the ribeyes and the tenderloins and all that stuff. I mean, you get talking some serious cash. But Kevin can cut up those chuck steaks and sell them for you know two steaks for fifteen bucks. It's, and it's wagyu beef. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and then they, they cook it. up. Oh, it's like butter. Would you say I can't wait to cook them? Would you say that Kevin down at the butcher shop in Pensacola is running one of the better butcher shops you've ever seen? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. I definitely. would say that he's probably got one of the Customer better butcher service shops in the country. Whole way around, right it's now. awesome. It's, and he's, his business shows because yep. he is booming. 
if it's you are awesome. in the Pensacola area, go check him out. Yep. It is worth. He's just a good guy. Yeah. I mean. But they run a great business. They're getting really good stuff. And, you know, oh, yeah. like, you can't go find Denver Wagyu steaks. <laughs> Anywhere in Memphis. <laughs> yeah. Any ships. Any ships, yep. But that's coming up. That's a, that's all I got. Um, we're still working on the podcast. We, we did get some equipment ordered. It's starting to come in. Yeah, this is a temporary setup. We said that uh, last week. It's still temporary. I mean, it, <laughs> hey, we it got will a new be. Sign. New sign came in. We got rid of the square sign, and we got the shape sign now. <laughs> we do have some other things. We are going to improve upon it, and it'll be really cool. It's That's not going to be Joe Rogan cool, but. <laughs> it's not going to look like the spaceship. <laughs> he does have the mothership of podcast rooms now. Shout out to Matt at Meat Church. Man, he got to meet yeah. Rogan. Rogan's wearing his hat on his podcast. I was happy for Matt when Heck I saw yeah. that. He got to go to his house and set up a grill for him. Yeah, yeah. How cool is that? Joe Rogan's like my podcast hero. And you know that Matt, being Matt, probably become best friends with Rogan at this point. Oh, you yeah. know? They may be neighbors. He may have bought the house next to him. Wax Hatchie, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where he moved to. It's probably Austin yeah, or something. But that's going to be great that for so Matt. That is so cool. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, so that's all I got today. Well, hey, um, it's time for the weekend show. Yeah. Do some cooking, and y'all appreciate y'all hanging out with us this week. And we'll be next. We'll be back next week with something brand new. If you'd like to connect with Malcolm, it's How to BBQ Right on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and of course YouTube. Um, if you like to connect Maybe with TikTok, anybody see me on there busting some? Yeah, food? we might be doing some TikTok. Uh, I've been watching Michael do his little <laughs> whatever it is hand jive. You need to learn that WAP dance. <laughs> 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 it's the craze, Mount. It right. is. Um, if you'd like to connect with me, it's Miss Southern Shell on Instagram. Hey, we'll see y'all next time. We gone.